My name is Vida, Sister Prince. Today is Thursday, June 24th, 1993, and I am interviewing George J. Elliott Jr. on his life for the Oral History Project Race and Memory in St. Louis. This is my independent study supported by the Missouri Historical Society. Your date of birth, Mr. Elliott. 82020. Okay. Um, you, you were born in St. Louis? Yes. Right. And do you know where you were born? Yes. Let's see, I was born at home. My sister was born at Barnes Hospital. I was born at home, at down home. in okay. central St. Louis. And where was that at that time? On Newstead Avenue in St. Louis. 2519 Newstead. And uh, was there a, was it a doctor or did a doctor I had a, come? I think my mother had a doctor. I know she had a doctor. I guess he was there at the time of birth. There wasn't a midwife. I've never heard of a midwife or anything like that. Uh -huh. All right. um, so, uh, tell me about the neighborhood as you grew up. My neighborhood was, of course, all black. It was in the middle of a section of St. Louis known as Ellardsville. I've studied the background ground on Ellisville. Ellisville ran somewhere between St. Louis Avenue over to what was then called Eastern Avenue, out to King's Highway, and down to uh, Vandevena. And it was a compact community within itself. And we had uh, our high school and our elementary schools and our all of our types of churches that were there. And uh, we pretty much were confined by uh, the unwritten laws on uh, sales of homes and whatever, and they were not available outside of Ellisville. You know, there were other packages in the city, like Compton Hill I know is downtown, and over on Compton and Market and so forth and so on, but Ellisville, had its um, origination, it was uh, founded by a gentleman, a farmer, not black, uh, named Ellerts. I think that was his name, Ellerts. I've had that come up in our church, which is in the center of there, Antioch Baptist Church, and we've looked up where the name of our section came from. And I happen to have uh, been involved in gathering that information, so that's how I happen to know that. And we often get questioned about where we got the name of that section of the city as Ellettsville because, um, you know, for whatever it's worth, uh, all sections have some kind of name now. So I was actually, shall I go on with the fact that I uh, got all my first uh, 14 years of education without going more than 10 blocks. I was um, grade school, kindergarten, one block down. What were the schools? Public schools, what, yes. What were the names of them? Um, I, I think they called the Sumner Extension. It was um, portables extended off of the Sumner High School. Uh, 
which was already portable, it was, uh, wooden structures about five large buildings, each with a classroom and a teacher in it. So they That's, were all separate? Each of those each. portables were because they had kindergarten, first grade, and second grade, and I think third grade. So you were self-contained? Yes. The high school was next door. And then um, when I left there, fourth grade, I went over to the Simmons School, which was a few more blocks over on St. Louis Avenue. And uh, it took me through the eighth grade. It was a huge building, as I recall now. It must have had uh, 1,000 to 1,500 youngsters going to that school. The portables. I think were supp supplying that immediate community and there were others that were going to supply Simmons in the future too. And they, uh, they were over on, in other spots, like the Marshall School and uh, what other elementary schools. Anyway, uh, from the graduation in the eighth grade, we went on back over to where I started school and then to the building, the brick building at Sumner High School. Got a great historical background. We celebrated a probably a hundred and, I think, 125th year that it had been established in St. Louis, one of the early schools in, for blacks on this side of the Mississippi River. And um, so well, I did go on to that, to the um, high school, finished a normal curriculum, had a great experience and a great tradition behind it, and uh, and uh, related with, and I know now, many young people who are going to do some great things in their life. Uh, you know, like my running buddy was Wendell Pruitt. Wendell Pruitt, we had a little group, you know. Wendell Pruitt went away and was a war hero, came back to St. Louis. And, Running uh, buddies. You mean just somebody we, ran we around? We went around as a group right. and we played ball together and we had parties. And, uh, I didn't know if you were referring to a sport or yeah, whatever. like track or something like that. Social life, too. Uh -huh. In that group was Wendell Pruitt and, um, and uh, other guys who. I know one who did 30 years as a head of a hospital in Detroit, and uh, another fellow in our group. Uh, if I get into that, <laughs> that was so great. Okay. You know, that fellow was the first black to ever study clouds and became a doctor in the University of Minnesota and so forth. What you're saying is? That in our group were many, many young people who were going to do great things in the future, and, and we and, didn't know it. And maybe because of the environment? Because of the environment? I think they would have done it in any yes. environment. Okay. Yeah, they had it, that's all. And um, so I guess the environment helped us because we learned some basic philosophies about surviving in spite of handicaps. We didn't know we had those handicaps that much. Right. We were not, we were happy and uh, happy-go-lucky and and although there were some 
rules and laws that involved, you know, things like transportation. You were, frankly, I think I, we always rode on all of the streetcar in my age. You know, we got on streetcars. We didn't have to go to the back. We, we didn't even know about all that. That was a little further south. And um, I went from high school back over to the other end of the Simmons School where I did the elementary education. They had attached a teacher's college, Stowe Teacher's College, and Lincoln University had an extension out of Jefferson City in that building. And most of us went over there out of high school to continue our education. And um, that was available for two years. You, you had a very sheltered life? A sheltered life? Uh-huh. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean that you, you were contained in that area. Your life was. Yeah. Your school. Most. Your there wasn't anything we went out of Ellisville for except to go downtown to the Pine Street YMCA. Um, we could go, you know, we go shopping and all that business downtown. What, what, uh, would you have wanted your children to go to the schools that you went to? Was I one of the children? Would you have wanted your children to go to the schools that you went to? Yeah, I think I had a rich experience. Um, My children did. They didn't go to the ones I went to, but they lived in the black community, and they went to black, uh, well, no, high school. Beaumont, they integrated just about the time my kids got in high school, but they went to the elementary schools in all black, and then the integration came right as they went into high school. Mr. Elliott, uh, living in Ellardsville and being in the kind of climate that you were, uh, how how did you first become aware that there were people whose skin was a different color than yours? Mm. Basically, my first uh, integrated experiences were um, pretty much after junior college. I went away to Lincoln, and it was in Jefferson City and to do two, three more years of college and graduate. And even there, it was still not integrated per, per se. All students were black and whatever, and all teachers and everything. And so, actually, at that age then, I began to, when I was uh, in the second year in college and so forth, I began to go places like trying to work and get jobs. I worked as a as a waiter in some of the country clubs, and at that point in time, here in St. Louis. Yeah. Where did you work? Um, I may be able to recall the name of that country club. There was down on Grand. I used to go down there and wait tables on the weekends, and uh, I was aware there, you know, that I was the waiter and that there that was an all white membership. I don't remember the name of that club right now. Columbian Club. No. Um but as a child, you you're, you're um, did you how did you become aware as a child that that there were people of different color of another color? I uh, 
had very little contact outside of and Well, not contact yourself, but just to observe that there were other people. Oh. Where did you see other people? Well, you know, if you went to a hospital, I, my mother took us to Barnes Hospital regularly and to the clinics at Barnes Hospital, and I you know, related and saw the nurses and doctors there were all white, pretty much. And uh, as a youngster, 12, 13, 14 years of age, the YMCA, I went to their camp, which is down in Bourbon, Missouri, and the town was all white, and the farmers were all white, and, and we just related with them. And, um, you know, we, the community there finally accepted our, our camp from Pine Street YMCA. And they'd come in and relate and show, uh, play ball on Sundays and and go down and swim in our swimming hole and uh, on the Merrimack River. And uh, you said they finally accepted. How did you know, as a child, that they weren't? Well, I know that when that camp was founded, that community didn't didn't like the idea that blacks were getting ready to come into it. I just know that story. I know that the uh, cross was burned out in the field across the creek uh, saying to this group of men who were forming this camp for blacks that they didn't want them there. And um, I came along later. I wasn't there when that happened. That was 1920. The camp was, uh, they first went down to the camp in 1922. And in 1922, I know that they burned a cross across it. We know that story as, as persons who grew up in that camp. And the, so. the name of the camp was Pine Cliff? River Cliff. River Cliff. Okay. Yes. And uh, it had a great... All the black youngsters who were into moving about and being... went to Camp River Cliff. We all followed our peers and... and uh, had our standards to make and awards to win and our swimming to accomplish and all that. And then we became leaders and we were the role models. And that's how they, um, that was a very strong influence. That grew, those kids and those people grew up and we still have an understanding and a bind and a relationship with one another. What kind of things did you get from them? What kinds of feelings oh, about yourself or, or, or we what had did they a, pass to you? We had a tremendous uh, influx line of information on self esteem and a way to relate with people in the world and uh, Christian background and uh, we had uh, what do we call that? Every morning for 30 minutes. Chapel? Chapel. That's the word. We had a beautiful little chapel around the side of the hill. And uh, we learned a lot there. And then we passed it on back to the next generation. And. Uh, Were you a counselor when you got I over? developed, yeah, I learned to be a counselor. I finally came back as a camp program director. Went away to college and came back to the camp. And uh, our uh, director was Mr. Cook, and, and we just grew up in it. You, you started as a nine-year-old, and then you developed your skills, and you became capable of 
life-saving in the river and all that, and became a counselor. And then I went away and uh, I came back as a member of the staff of the YMCA and, and helped to run the camp. And it was all black? Yeah. It was all, all the kids, all the youngsters, yeah. Well, how about the staff? Uh, we never had any white staff. So we had uh, a caretaker and his wife who lived on it, he was white. Uh -huh. but, but the rest of it was all black? The rest black. of it was all black, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, did you did you have cabins or did you have tents or what? We had cabins. Mm -hmm. We had cabins, uh, 12 of them. And we usually go down there with about about 125 youngsters every 10 days. Mm -hmm. Uh, could anybody go? Yeah. We didn't deny anyone. If I imagine if some white youngster had said, I want to go to that camp, but I don't think they knew too much about yeah. us. Well, I, I wasn't thinking in those terms. I just meant it was open for, oh, yeah. for everyone. It was even open to the youngsters in juvenile court. And, uh, you know, uh -huh. our Mr. Cook was uh, very interested in the youngsters who had had trouble with the law of any kind and so we'd always he'd always stick in a few of those also mm -hmm. then we it never did cost us too much because uh, I think the money was for running that camp was being raised by back at Pine Street YMCA you, you might pay five ten dollars for it what it didn't cost anything we just had a total year-round program there in the YMCA that uh, we did a, a year-round thing going to the Y for down to the Pine Street Y and walking down every week and taking physical exercise and learning to swim better and all that and then over in our community. So we were there with it and uh, so far as the whole community is concerned and most boys at that time when I was a youngster. Later, see the girls were over to Wheatley Branch YWCA. Mm -hmm. and we were at the YMCA, so that was we were separated by sex at that time. Not because we didn't; it just wasn't done. That's all. I hadn't thought of it yet. <laughs> I wish that people that are going to listen to this or read the transcript could see the smile on your face. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, so that we're talking about nineteen-thirties um, and forties and. But you have always been involved with the Pine Street Y. Yeah, I started when I was nine years old. How has the influence of it changed? How, is the how has the influence changed? On, yes, how has the influence of the Pine Street Y changed on the black youth? Well, actually, uh, what has happened is the population explosion and the change in um, in uh, housing. See, we all lived in that compact community there, but uh, when they opened up and said you have to have housing everywhere, and our people went to the counties and uh, all over, and and Pine Street lost its concentrated, concentrated uh, effect on the youngsters. And uh, they didn't. The parents didn't bring them there. It wasn't. It was no longer uh, that compact. And so they they gone out into the community to a large, much larger community. And uh, even today, 
they can't do the kind of program that we did back there because we did them by age groups and and we had all the guys who were under 10 and under were called friendly Indians and 12 and other were called pioneers and 14 and other and they they knew what they were into and they so far as their grouping was concerned and uh, it was very compact and they they can't do that now and um, they just have to work in some a different kind of a program experience something they don't even know about <laughs> I mean I guess if I were able to um, influence them to do I'd try to inject somewhere in their community and I mean by that uh, West End community I guess you've heard of that you've heard of the West End community well I've heard of the West End community what what area that's where the Monsanto YMCA is, okay. 5,500 page. 5,500 page. But when you say West End community, I'm talking, I want you to name the yeah. streets that you're talking about or the areas. Or West End community goes from about Page to Delmar and Kings Highway out to Skinker. Okay. It's very advanced, well organized, very integrated. And in that housing, you've got all levels of social aspects for people. It's It's been going, they've been organized 20, 25 years, and they've been together in what their standards were and keeping their community up. I read about them. I, I don't live there. See, I live over further north St. Louis. And, uh, not, and I live closer to the old Ellisville. But this West End community, they're very, very, very progressive. Is it younger people? They've got a lot of youth coming in. See, that almost takes in Washington youth people in that area, insofar as living and so forth. So the West End community is uh, now where if I were the executive, for instance, I'd get some work done in there with kids. It could be integrated, but I just feel that group experience for youngsters is so good. It means so much. It does. Um, when were you aware that there was discrimination and segregation? Well, I guess. Uh, I guess after high school. See, we were segregated in high school. Black schools played against black schools. And white schools were played over here against white schools. And we didn't relate with them. I mean, we, Sumner and Washington Tech and Vashon were our three black schools. And, uh, and they related and finished the season together. And at the point of the time of the... Um, the Brown verdict, insofar as school education is concerned, was the was the greatest time of realization that there was um, a right to be uh, un disintegrated or desegregated. That's and when that we was realized. 1954. Yeah, that's when it came to life more than any other anything else. Although by that time, 1954. I had been, uh, I'd been a long way around. I've 
gone to the University of Iowa, made it up there with some graduate work, and I went to. Uh, there were I was having I had had experiences by that time by '54. When I say that, I I guess I uh, realized. You see, I left when I finished Lincoln University. I went down to. Uh, back into the city to work and I worked about four years and then I got my master's degree and then I have to think how that order how that went I went to Virginia to teach then you spent a summer you said at uh, Indiana U oh yeah that was other summers and then uh -huh. you had a principal certificate or you started at Southern Illinois at, at SIU yeah. And then you went to Washington U. Yeah. Well, you see, all that's integrated. Uh-huh. I was going up to university. We were talking about segregation and discrimination, but you felt that that's when you became aware that you... Well... When did you know, all I'm trying to ask you is that, when did you realize that though you lived in this area... Um, I guess so. That, I guess that I there were things that you couldn't do. Did you know growing up? No, when I graduated, when I finished junior college. But as a child, were there, did you know that you couldn't go to, you couldn't eat downtown at certain places? You couldn't uh, go to certain movies? You were not aware I of that? I knew that, yeah. I went to, a, I had a friend whose sister danced at the Fox Theater and she'd take us down. And we'd sit in the bat's roost, and we knew where we were, and we knew we couldn't come down there, and we knew we couldn't buy tickets to go down there if we wanted to. But uh, So I was aware as much as, as early as uh, 10 to 12 years of age that there were places I couldn't go and places I wasn't accepted, because they, we had those experiences occasionally where we would... Uh, and when I was working in the Pine Street YMCA, they were not admitting blacks into any of the other YMCAs, but the North Side YMCA had a staff person over there who would invite us to come over and share uh, an exhibition or two every, every year. We knew we were going over to a segregated YMCA building with our youngsters who were in Pine Street area. Well, when did I realize that then? I, I knew that uh, way back when I was 10, 12 years of age. All right, and did, did you ask why? Did no. you ask your parents why? No, I didn't. I wasn't, didn't have time to be concerned about it. I was too busy with a regular life. I, didn't, I wasn't distressed about it. That, that was just a fact. But uh, we were not, we had our own life to live, and we were busy doing that. And so we didn't worry about it. But we knew it existed. Did it, did it have any effect on you or impact? No, I was very, you, you're talking to a, an optimist and a person who had a good life and had a very bright mother who knew how to, inspire me and my sister to do, to live 
lives and prepare them well and go to school and think going to college and so forth. So I think my, I was very lucky because my mother had insights. She was just one of those kind of people. My father was, you know, he wasn't bad, but he just worked all the time and, and he didn't try to see that we got places or did anything. Mother saw that we went out and municipal opera. When we were 10, 12 years of age and all that, we saw all the shows. We'd get out there in the free seats on Monday nights. What was it Monday? Something about Monday night that was... Anyway, we went every Monday night to the municipal opera. Mom liked those kind of things and she wanted us to have those experiences. Do you remember what it was about the Monday nights? It wasn't a segregated thing. We it had to do. Someone told me that it had to do with there was a agencies. Yeah, it was a free they, for yeah. They had free seats for certain agencies, uh -huh. and agencies got a number of seats allocated to them. Uh -huh. And if you had the right contacts, you could sit in those seats with them. Uh -huh. But I don't think we did. We did some of that later in my life, but uh, mom and take us on out there and sit up in the free seats and uh, didn't have anything to do with agencies. What else did, where else did mom take you as a child? Oh, we used Forest Park very much mm -hmm. for picnicking and that kind of thing. Uh, she saw to it that we got what we needed to get away to camp, you know, your little clothes and all that. She saw that, um, she had an insight for good agency. My sister went on to YWCA things, and um, that was just about it insofar as taking us. Mm -hmm. and she was, but she did have that kind of insight. She was, I think, an unusual lady. <laughs> it's a nice way to feel, isn't it? Um, did your mother work at all? Never. My father worked in the post office. He was a, one of the elite in our community. He had a better job than most folk around. And mom never worked. And he, he handled that phase of it. He saw that money was there. Now, it wasn't a lot of money. <laughs> She'd like to have had more. I recall her being very sad sometimes. And uh, because there wasn't more money to do the things, whatever it was she wanted to do. I didn't know what it was she wanted to do, but I know she would like to have had more money. She never worked. But that was, tell me about, that was an elite. What did you say? That was an elite job yeah. that your father had oh, yeah. at the post office. Weren't many guys that worked for the government. Mm -hmm. I mean, not many fathers. I was born in a flat, you know, 20, about 12 houses down all uh, attached to each other and uh, he was kind of looked up to you know oh, that's Mr. Elliot who works for the post office mm -hmm. we didn't know I didn't know anybody else whose father worked for the post office most of them the fathers uh, were waiters uh, on construction jobs I don't know about too much construction jobs because they weren't letting them into construction too much then. And uh, but they didn't have 
what Dad had. Dad had that working for the federal government job. He used to be pretty well regarded. Um, did you ever get to go down to the post office with your father? No. Well, I, I wouldn't have. I had no reason to go. No, after I came back and I, I still didn't go to the post office until he retired. I went down to where he retired from and they gave him his words of goodwill and yeah. that was it. I never went to the post office with him. Did you feel that your parents provided you for what you Did you have any memories or stories uh, that your parents, uh, did you have grandparents that were near you, okay. that your parents uh, would tell you about their families or any history? Well, sometimes there's family stories that are handed down. Um, I've been very curious and very interested in that. The nearest I can get to it is my mother, because I know that four sisters out of Sedalia, Missouri, moved to St. Louis, my mother and her three sisters. And they came and established and married, three of them married in St. Louis and the other one went on to Detroit. And that's as near as I've gotten back to anybody in my background family. I know that my mother came from, the, those sisters came from the Brown family. I've been, mm -hmm, I've been threatening to go to that area and see if I, there's one lady living who came here also at the same time and knew them well. And if I can get out to see her, she's in a nursing home now. They tell me she has a good mind still. Okay. And get her to tell me about the Sedalia uh, area. And there are a lot of blacks who came over there from uh, Kentucky. Yeah. That was almost, I'm talking, getting away from slavery now, over to uh, Sedalia to run away, the underground, and uh, what's the other towns up there? Um, I go out in that area with a friend who has a resort house. Anyway, I remember Sedalia well. That's one of the towns where many of these blacks migrated from Kentucky, and I think that uh, Reverend Brown may have come over there he may have brought his wife with him, I don't know. That, I have no knowledge of my family at that point. Okay. Mr. Mr. Elliott, uh, did you get any impressions from your parents about people who were racially different than you? Did they talk about? They, um, I don't recall them getting into discussions or talking about that kind of thing with us. They probably talked with each other and with their friends among themselves, but they didn't. They didn't pass on to us any attitudes. Theirs was just a question of we need to be out there making it and learning what we got to learn in school and doing what we got to do in church and staying in the community, and, and that was about it. So far as race was concerned, they didn't talk about it. What what impact did this, what did you do at church? What what did that have to do with your family and how you 
Well, regular attendance and Sunday school mm -hmm. participation and uh, after I grew up and I was working in the community, I also worked as a superintendent of Sunday school. I had been a teacher, teacher in Sunday school, superintendent of Sunday school, member of church, choir, and that's about it. Um, did your parents talk to you when you were little about your future and, and what choices were open for you? As far as we were just, uh, they were, she was Baptist mother. She was Baptist and that's where we went, period. No, no, I don't mean the church. I'm now I'm talking about, I'm sorry, I wasn't clear. Um, about your future and your choice of life's work and... No, she didn't have that to go with, see, because uh, she, I don't know that she ever finished high school. She just knew you went over there to the junior college and you got what you can get. And then you went to Jefferson City, and whatever they got, you get. But so far as choices, we never talked about that. Because we didn't have a lot of choices. Well, I didn't even know, when I went away to college, I didn't really know what I was going for. I just went to get a degree. Because why did you go to get a degree? kind of like because the mountain was there. Uh, Mom had instilled that in us. You want to go all the way. So you didn't know what you were going for. And so how mm -hmm. did it evolve that you... Well, I entered, um, I signed up for education degree. What choices were open to you? I wasn't aware of it at the time, but they were there. They, um, they had an agricultural department and a farm at that school, still do there. And Lincoln, you're talking about. Yeah. Now, I could have gone down and learned agriculture. Um, almost that was it, education and agriculture. You know, now they got a school of nursing, and uh, I recognize what's there that we didn't have a choice of. Mm -hmm. uh, school of nursing and uh, and a technical education of a sort. It's because some guys have gone out of those and become engineers. You know, go on further and get some engineering degrees. Mm -hmm. But um, at that time, we didn't have those things standing out. In the, now, they, I used to hear them talk about the farm, but I didn't realize it was a degree that you could get in agriculture down there. Because most of us just went in and signed up for education. You were either going to be in secondary education or elementary education, period. As a little boy, did you ever have a dream of, like, lots of little boys and little girls of what you wanted to be when you grew up? No, I don't think I would look. I looked at forehead. Firemen, policemen, you know, I mean, people, uh -huh. kids do that. Um, Not I, in a serious sense that I was going to really know, do it. Uh -huh. So, uh -huh. so your education, so your education, you were in education and you finally became a uh, phys ed? Physical? A teacher, yes, in physical ed. That was my degree, was education with a major in uh, physical education and sociology. 
and uh, that's where I signed up. Lots of times those decisions were just made by some counselor. I didn't, <laughs> I just uh, went over to register for school and they signed me up in that manner. And fortunately that physical education was just starting at that school then. They had, uh, you know, you could have majored in English or foreign languages or sciences. Mm -hmm. But physical education attracted me naturally. I had been in it, you know, enjoyed playing and so forth. I was not a very large fellow in high school, so I didn't play varsity things, but I was always active. So physical education was kind of natural to me. And that's what I signed up for and stayed with until it graduated in it. Uh, did you have a, anybody that you looked up to at that point that... Looked up to? Yeah, that was a mentor or a role model or... I had a lot of guys who had gone just ahead of me, and I mean two or three years, but I don't recall any one or two mm -hmm. that I wanted to be like insofar as a career is concerned. Um, okay, so now let's, what was your first job after graduation? After, after graduating from Lincoln, my first job was back in the city of St. Louis in the city recreation department. I had uh, inroads there since I had been a each summer when I'd come home from Lincoln, I would be a lifeguard at one of their community centers, so I, I knew the recreation the director. The pools here in town, you mean? Down in St. Louis, yeah. Okay. What were the swimming pools? Where were the swimming pools? Mm -hmm. Which ones um, were they? Where I worked at Tandy Center on uh, Kenner, 4000 on Kenner. It's still there. Was that an indoor pool or an outdoor Indoor pool. pool. Indoor. And in the summertime, see, that was a nice, cool place to work there. That was a nice job. I enjoyed those three or four summers. Sometimes the kids who used to come to that pool stop me and talk about it, you know. They enjoyed that relationship. And I worked over at the Vachon pool. That was the first center that I worked in. I, you know, my, my other city center was down on Adams uh, Center was on Jefferson, almost at Jefferson and Market. I worked at those two pools. And then, of course, when I graduated, I knew the directors of the city recreation support. So I worked for one year as a director of the um, Compton Community Center down on Compton and Market. So, so we had the Tandy Community Center, you had the Compton, and what was Adams. That? Adams. Adams. Community center? No, that wasn't. A, that was just a swimming pool. Okay. Called a bathhouse, and that's where I. It was designed so that uh, the public could come there and bathe if they wanted to, uh -huh. but it also had the swimming pool complex for the kid, for children. Where was it? It was on uh, Jefferson, close to Market. Mm -hmm. What I'm trying to do is to get a feel for how many different recreational complexes there are places there might have been for people to use 
So what I think there were about uh, a total. See there again, we were we. I'm, I was naming the black ones. Well, that's there, what I'm. There were about four white ones around St. Louis. Uh -huh. But I'm thinking in terms of black right now. So there was Tandy, there was this Adams complex, there was Fashion. Um, Compton. Compton. Center. Mm -hmm. And um, actually there was, um, what was that up on Eastern and King's Highway? The, uh, that was a huge recreation center. It was very integrated. <laughs> well, whites used it. I don't think blacks went up there much in those days. They turned, what was the name of that? But that was on one of the larger ones in the city of St. Louis. It did not have a swimming pool or showers, but it had gymnasiums and library. I used to go there and read Sherman, Sherman Park. I think that was the name of it. So we're at 1948, huh? We're coming into... When I was going into, uh, into that city, rec yes. city recreation? Uh -huh. No, I graduated in 42 from Lincoln, so I worked 40, 1943. For the city you, of St. Louis. Yes, you four years you worked at the YMCA. Well, I moved from the city after one year and went over to the YMCA for four okay. years. Okay, so, well, I'm just trying to get a sense of St. Louis mm -hmm. and, and what year, so we're 48. Um, there was a tremendous community in that area, or let's call it uh, Jefferson and Market. When I was even a kid, uh, to go down into that area was a black community with, you know, the shows and uh, You're theater. You're talking about Mill Creek? Yeah, that's it. Mill Creek. That's what I'm talking I about. I would tell me about Mill Creek when you'd go down as a child. See, the Pine Street Y was there close by, and uh, there were some businesses as I came out of uh, college, you know, there was a called the People's Finance Building, was down there on Jefferson and Market, and that had the American newspaper offices in it. I almost... St. Louis American. Yes. The man that founded that invited me to become on the, his staff. I almost went on that staff. Nathaniel Sweets? Yes. N.A. Sweets. And um, I was pretty close with him, pretty good friend. He was a Lincoln alumnus and so forth and so on. We've crossed lines quite a bit. I went down, down to their office quite often because I had a friend down there. That was the People's Finance Building. And across the street, I've kind of forgotten the name of that, the Star Theater. That community was crawling with low economic level folk. Just people, people, people. It was the Mill Creek. As I recall, and I didn't go over. See, I, went, I didn't cross over and go over in there too much because I didn't, there wasn't anything in there but people living in homes, and I didn't have any friends over there. But it was a lot of low economic home living now, as I recall. And Market Street, from that point on down, from Compton on down, 
businesses of many different types. It was a it was a heavily populated. Now that was bigger than Ellisville, I think. I didn't really analyze it, but I'm pretty sure it went on over to um, what we call Compton Hill. Is over Papan and. Uh, went all the way across Jefferson and over to uh, the other side of Eastern Avenue and that was uh, another but all that was this another what? it was another um, set of people uh, who stayed within their limits uh, you even had groups that would might clash between them you know, boys young men you know they Gangs are nothing new. They talk about gangs now. They were gangs then. Sharks and the, and the Compton Hill boys and all that kind of business. And uh, so that was another community over there. Pine Street was in the middle of all that. So I, you know, go down there as a youngster and we tipped through the streets. We walked all the way. Tipped through the streets? Is that tiptoed? <laughs> that's a way of saying we were being very careful that we didn't get caught by either one gang or the other because we were the guys from the other end of town and they never bothered us they weren't thinking about it, it was, we knew they were over and around but they uh, and we didn't really see them but we knew the stories we knew the police uh, stories of how they had to run them off of corners and they they were known for carrying knives, and and uh, so as we wanted to get to the Pine Street Y and have a day on Saturdays was our day. We tipped between the communities, <laughs> and got, and were ready to run at any time. Were some of those young people that you're describing? Did they come to the Pine Street Y? Yeah, I think they had their time there too. But did you all? I mean, if you went down to be in a basketball game or whatever, young people did. Uh, were you on teams with these different people, or did your people we, from your kids from Ellardsville stay together, or, or was there a mix of, of just? We never all came at the same time. I don't think uh, they. I don't think they came over there on Saturdays much, and that's the only time we came to Pine Street Why? Because we didn't have time. You see, get out of elementary school at three fifteen, three thirty. It wasn't, we needed two hours just to walk down there. Oh, it took two hours? Yeah, we, to we'd get together as a group and it'd take about two hours to get down there. And uh, and then we'd do what we were going to do at Pine Street Wine. It'd take two hours to walk back home. Would you have, ta would you have been able to have taken a streetcar if you had wanted to? Yeah, if we'd had car fare. Mm -hmm. If we we never thought of it, because <laughs> we had so much fun as a group, you know, laughing and talking and dealing with the with the things that we saw as we went. Some of our guys were uh, adventurous enough to hop the trucks. That is, uh, as trucks would come down Eastern, they'd hop up on the back and hang on to them. That, they were the smart guys. You know, I didn't do that much. <laughs> You could fall off one of those things. Nobody ever did. They were the ones that got down there without walking. That's all. It just took two hours to walk down. Am I hearing that there was no 
I want to hear it in your words, but that these different areas did not mix? No, they didn't mix. Mm -mm. They had their, there was another community center over there on um, Point Notre Um Where was that? We had the Compton on, on Market Gamble, Gamble Center. Mm -hmm. And that's where the, a, a, a large segment of youth who were uh, the gang type kind of, that was their hangout, Gamble Center. And the Compton Hill boys kind of hung out around the Compton Center, and some of them would come up to the Y at some time during the week. And I think they used it during the week, the Pine Street Y, and we'd come down on Saturday. And they didn't come over and try to get involved with us. And we certainly weren't looking for them. <laughs> because you were, where did you hear these stories about them? From other young fellows who, um, who knew somebody who lived in those communities. And some of it sometimes was newspaper articles where the police had to deal with them in some um, inter-gang exchanges. Mostly that's what they did was fight each other. I don't know of anything else they did, of any, but they were a compact unit. Uh, are there people who that let, let's say this it has been said that St. Louis is a racially polarized city and that there are two separate societies and that racism is in the air that we breathe and the water we drink mm, do, you, do you have thoughts and feelings on that? I wouldn't call it's polarized to a point. It has improved tremendously over the thirty or forty years. It is. Uh, we got a new mayor. South St. Louis voted for him. That's why he's in there. That's a, that's a good sign of better understanding. Uh, he had North Side already, but when you get South Side. The city has changed. It was for years polarized, of course. South St. Louis and uh, was Dago Hill and all those people and uh, all that. They had the greater power and the better habits politically. They all voted. Our community wouldn't vote. They wouldn't come out and go to the poll. And uh, so we didn't, we didn't have the political strength that they had. Why, why do you think they didn't come out and go to the poll? Not politically um, aware of the strength that they'd have if they were unified. Many things they could have done and voted for and controlled if they knew, but they didn't come up in that kind of an environment. I think they didn't realize and are in many cases, they just didn't, weren't politically inclined. Probably a lot of them didn't read, didn't know, didn't read newspapers. Okay. Um, what part of St. Louis is home to you? 
still North St. Louis. Ellisville is no more. Uh, Ellisville has extended, I guess you'd say. I live a little bit further west now, but North St. Louis is a general term. Uh, as opposed to South St. Louis, mm -hmm. West St. Louis, and downtown. Do you, um, is there any place else you feel acknowledged in the city? Any place else I feel is what? Acknowledged, in other words, comfortable. That, that I feel comfortable mm -hmm. in? I'm comfortable in any part now. I uh, wouldn't, I have no particular desire to live any place else. If I had to move, I would probably go to one of the counties. That's where most of my friends, if we're about the last ones living in North St. Louis, in my circle of folk. When I go out to see my friends, I may go to Hazelwood, Clayton. Uh, a lot of them live in Blackjack. They move north to that area. And uh, there's no place that I would want to live elsewhere in the city. Is there any place uh, where you do not want to go? Lots. <laughs> I don't want to go downtown, that's for sure. I have no desire to go to South St. Louis. I have a few folks that I know live out that way. and. Uh, Actually, I'm living where I would, if I've got to live in St. Louis, that's where I want to be. I hear a lot of people tell me they don't want to go to South St. Louis. Uh, is there any fear connected with that? What I think it's the nature of the people. Um, they call them rednecks. <laughs> the greater show of, uh, of uh, dislike. Of course, as I, as I drive through there now, I see an awful lot more blacks than we used to many years ago. But are these things that there's nothing you experienced yourself? These are just things that you've heard. Well, the way they vote, and they haven't on occasion said, quite frankly, you know, that they had a racist attitude about some things. It's not too hard to hear from that section of the city uh, some racist attitudes. Not always just against blacks, though. No. Just about, they are racist in so far as anybody, Hispanics, and nothing's right but their own, what they have. You know. But I do hear you say that you feel that attitudes have changed in St. Louis. They've improved, mm -hmm. yeah. But even before Mayor Bosley was elected, what do you think? might have precipitated those changes of attitudes? Well, I think uh, as, a, as a populace of a city, they've begun to recognize more and more that we do have to share and live together if we're going to have a successful financially successful community as well as a socially financial uh, social community we don't have much much social but we do need to know and allow for the financing and if you look at the sports 
I listen to them, and I go to a lot of sports, and and I hear an echo of uh, better understanding and pulling for everybody, black or white. Uh, take when Ozzie Smith walks on the ball field, and uh, and uh, forty thousand people cheer. That's a good sign. And it's developed to that point more and more. And uh, I have an opportunity to every now and then see where a black person has uh, become successful at something. And I get the feeling from, from the white community that they, they're happy to see that happen more than they used to be. Do you feel that there is a more of a melding of the different black than there used to be. Like we were talking before, the, the Ellardsville community and the Mill Creek Valley community and the Compton community. We didn't talk about Webster and, and Kirkwood, but those were also areas. But do you feel now even the blacks are more involved with each other? Involved with each other? Well, in, in other words, sense? you weren't involved with people that lived downtown. Um, That's right. But where you live now, your your other friends have moved out in different areas. Um, you said you don't like to go downtown. I'm trying to get a sense of the black community now, though, because everybody was in their own little enclave and feeling uh, fairly secure in there growing up. Um, Financially, that, that econ economics plays a part in that. Everybody below grand pretty much is a lower economic bracket. The housing is poorer, and um, then or now, it's poorer now. It was poor then. It hasn't changed. But blacks have extended their capability for broader careers, and uh, and much more money flows through their hands, and they have beautiful places in the county. In many cases, they didn't build them, but they bought them now that uh, whites are still trying to run, I think, uh, and go further and further away. And these folk have bought in some places that are lovely out in the county so that... Um, but they're in, are they integrated out there? Oh, yeah. They're very integrated. But you say whites are still trying to... They're, yeah, they get these places for some nice prices because the folks that are in them will sell for anything just to get out. And uh, that's been the reason that they've gotten such nice places. They wouldn't have been able to afford what those whites paid for them years ago. Uh, well, do the whites leave when a black moves in? Is that? That's kind of the just, gist of it. Yeah, if one black can break down a home situation, the rest of the community begins to filter and a few more families come in. And, and then the whites? The whites are gone on out. Meanwhile, they're anxious to get rid of their homes, so they... Yeah, yeah. People yeah. get them for less. Sell very, very cheap compared to what they were... Uh, or, or what these folk are going to pay for the same thing further west. Um, 
If you had the power to change things, what would you do? Insofar as, as uh, race about. relations, mm -hmm. pretty much. I uh, I think stronger. I don't. I don't. I thought desegregation in the schools. I hear a lot of folks angry because they desegregated us and and our schools in the St. Louis were uh, lowered because they were they didn't uh, have the folk the, the black youngsters in them that they should have had. Incidentally, it's getting ready to turn around and go back, and they're gonna stop desegregation, and many of the youngsters are gonna have to go on back to their school and there'll be no busing. I, in my experience in education in Webster, was there when uh, the busing started, and I get the gist of what they were, the powers that be had in mind in Washington when they began to do that, when they did it across country. I thought that was good. You were teaching.